welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever floats your boat. Thank you for joining us tonight on a very special episode. We have just gone to see Aquaman, and we're going to talk about it. Um, tonight, I'm joined. T- tonight, I'm joined by Gerald, Maggie, and Anager. Say hello, everybody. Hi. And we hey. have. Hey, Jerry. And we have battled technical difficulties and poor network connection tonight to try to get this podcast out. Um, We've also braved the Christmas crowds for movies, and we went to see Aquaman. Now, this is going to be a full spoilers podcast of Aquaman. Um, So let's just get started. Um, I am going to ask Anager first, because I know that Anager is a huge fan of Jason Momoa, and I would <laughs> love to get her view on what, like, what did you think of Aquaman? The latest entry in the, <laughs> in the DC Extended Universe. <laughs> Look, I think DC has done it again and produced um, <laughs> an abysmal <laughs> superhero movie, unfortunately. I thought it was a pretty bad film. I think Gerald actually liked it better than I did. Um, it, was, it had bad special effects. It kind of looked like a big animation movie. Um, everything was moving in a really jolty way. It just didn't look natural at all. Um, and it was just too much. Like the special effects, it was just too much. It was um, bad dialogue. The jokes were not funny. See, I feel like um, I feel like uh, Aquaman is the DC version of Thor is to the Marvel universe um, in that they're big, bulky guys. They're kind of... You know, they're, they're kings, they're slash gods, um, but, you know, Thor is funny, um, whereas – the uh, and, and it's cheesy funny, but actually funny, whereas in Aquaman, there were so many bad one-liners that were not funny. I thought there was no chemistry between Arthur, who is Aquaman, and the villain, Loki. Uh, that's that's um, not the villain's name. That's not the villain's name. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> we do our homework here on Pop king. Culture Double Date. <laughs> I mean, whoever the king of Atlantis Orm. is, right? Orm. His, his name was Orm. There's... His name was Orm. I think this is Orm. Ocean Master, yes, okay, right? So... The guy with the dumb helmet. No, like, well, both of them had dumb helmets, but the guy with the trident and the dumb helmet. Yeah, that's the guy that's we're talking right, about. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there was they, no chemistry. They both had dumb helmets. So there was no chemistry between those two, unlike Loki and Thor, where there's actually good chemistry and they vibe off each other and they're great together. Um, just wasn't there for these two. So a, as a as a result of that, there really wasn't a compelling villain, hero, standoff, tension thing going. I thought the costumes were really, really really bad like really bad like we are recalling poison ivy from the old batman you know day it was bad it was bad so can i just um, add i i felt like some of the costumes came from power rangers remember like saturday yes. afternoon cartoon power rangers costumes Darren, yeah. that's exactly what I thought. I felt like I was watching the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Absolutely. There were too many acts, right? There were, it was too long and there were too many parts to it. You know, every time someone said to Arthur slash Aquaman, and then you have to go here and then you have to do that and then you have to do this, I kept thinking, whoa, that's a lot of things he has to do and I'm kind of already kind of tired with this movie and that's, that's a lot he has to do before he gets that trident. And it was. It was just too long, too much stuff going on and i thought the performances of everybody were pretty average yes jason momoa is hot he continues to be hot i liked watching him be hot but the rest of it <laughs> you know <laughs> it wasn't good it wasn't good okay uh okay who's uh, gerald why don't you shoot with the counterpoint to why you thought this was a masterpiece of cinema <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I did not think it was a masterpiece. It, it was, on so many levels, a very, very stupid, very bad movie that went on for far too long. And so um, let, let, let's get that out of the way straight away. This was, by any measure, an awful film. But but having said that, um, I, I, I thought it was stupid fun. I mean, I didn't sort of walk out of the cinema thinking... God, I hated that, and I, and I wish I had a can of Rotten Tomatoes to throw at the screen. Um, and I don't quite understand why 
that was. Maybe my expectations for the film were already so low that um, that this somehow exceeded them. Um, I, I know for a fact that I was pleasantly surprised to see that Dolph Lundgren was in the movie. Yes, yes, uh, yes. That was Jerry? probably the only pleasant surprise in the movie, actually. Jerry? I out. Sorry, you dropped... Were Have you, I dropped... No, you you're dro- there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry. Yep. Uh, um, and, you know, sort of... Yes, the movie was overstuffed because it was part Thor, part National Treasure slash Indiana Jones, uh, part... Um, well, part, part, whatever, part whatever else you want to throw in. So it's got story beats that we've seen before. Um, and quite frankly... Uh, I'm sick of seeing superheroes who are, in fact, kings or queens of um, various polities. Wouldn't be nice to see a, a superhero that emerged from a representative democracy and a republic. Um, we're not going to see those for a while, I don't think. Um, but despite all of that, I kind of checked my brain at the door and, and you know, for every stupid thing that the film did, I was quite more or less happy to go along with it because... Um, you know, it's been a long year. I'm tired. Um, my critical faculties have been sort of uh, eroded by, by you know, the, the the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune and all manner of bad sh- bad stuff that we've had to see. So, um, you know, it caught me in a moment of weakness. Okay, can, can I ask just an interesting question? Did you like this better than Venom? No. Uh, no. 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 I did not. Um, I didn't like it better than Venom, but at the same time, it was more. I'll say this. I'll say this for the movie. It was more consistent than Venom. Uh, now, consistently, it was consistently bad, but it was more consistent. There, were, there weren't the sort of crazy total shifts that one saw in, in Venom. And in many ways, I think um, its consistency is what sort of um, distinguishes it from, say. Um, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, for two-thirds of it, of that movie, was very good, and then its final third was very bad, whereas this was sort of like kind of bad for its entire running length. <laughs> and I don't think there was any... I don't think there was any section of this particular... of this movie that was as bad as the final third of Wonder Woman, and so that might be why it's getting off relatively easy in my book um, compared to, say, uh, uh, Anninger. Mm, okay, I'm not sure I agree with you. I, I I didn't feel any part of this movie was better than Wonder Woman, and mm-hmm. I definitely thought that Venom was a better film. Like Venom was objectively also a bad film, but I ended up coming out of the Venom cinema like really smiling and like yeah, it was fun. It was, it was fun. Like, yeah, it was like Tom Hardy was eating a shit sandwich. It was amazing, right? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> before I I unload. Mags, do you want to give your initial impressions? Oh, uh, sure. Um, look, I think I'm in the same vein as Anager. I thought this was this was a ridiculous movie, and there were parts of the um, non-existent plot where um, Jason Momoa would say something, and then I'd just look at Darren, and he'd be looking at me at the same time, and we'd just wonder, what the hell was that all about? Um, so I, I thought it was – what I, I'm conflicted about is, on the one hand, I think this is a ridiculous movie, but on the other hand, um, I didn't feel like it was a super long movie and I wasn't sort of checking my watch to see how much more time I had to spend of my life in the cinema watching it. I checked um, twice. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> thing because i i mean throughout the whole movie and every every scene i was thinking this is ridiculous this is crazy this is ridiculous and it's getting worse but at the same time i wasn't sort of checking my watch to see how much longer i had to be there so that that's puzzling me at the moment um i thought the um acting was appalling um i thought the plot and the writing was appalling i actually really liked the, the design of atlantis um and the creatures and the spacecraft and the technology. I knew you had to really suspend belief, but there were parts of it as well that I thought was just ridiculous. Like how was it that, you know, for some reason this amazing energy source was the cause of Atlantis falling into the ocean, but at the same time the cause of why they could all magically all of a sudden breathe underwater 
and then mm. evolving to these sea creatures that don't look like hum- human beings anymore. I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all because then wouldn't that mean that every human being that goes into the water would be able to breathe because that no. magical technology uh, would be imbuing all, like, the underwater ocean bits of the kingdom? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, how is it that for hello, some reason – Oh, hello, can Jerry? you hear us? Yep, Jerry. Um, how, why is it that sometimes, you know, only the um, the uh, elite or the royal people of royal blood could breathe in water and out of water, but all other Atlanteans cannot? That makes no sense to me at all. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And so, then, Mags, so I want to do a segment in our podcast after our initial impressions where we just point out plot beats that did not make sense. So keep that in mind, (laughs) and let's... (laughs) I will. I have one final thing, which is William Defoe, who for some... You know, in this movie, he's actually um, a friend, not a villain. And I'm so used to seeing him as a villain, particularly in Mm. superhero movies, that I had to keep checking myself and reminding myself, this guy is not a villain, this guy's a friendly. And that was really... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, yeah. I look, I, I gotta say, Willem Dafoe also. Okay, so I agree with Anna Joe 100%. I thought this was an appalling film. Um, an original <laughs> film. It was. Um, so to add to the weird, like, costumes taking you out of it, also the weird, like, de aging CG. The weird uncanny valley when you can tell that, like, the humans are being overlaid with CG into some sort of cyborg CG abomination Mm. thing. Like, that was happening all the time, and it was so weird. And, Mm. like, Mm. Nicole Kidman, I couldn't tell. Like, you could tell that she was had some CG done on her, but then when she was old, she was like, well, I can... I feel like there's been a lot of work done on Nicole Kidman outside of CG as well. So, um, yeah, it was really, really disconcerting. Um, Okay, so I kind of want to talk about the weird plot beats a little bit later. But for me, the number one sin of this film is that, like, it was consistently just, like, unclear what the film was really about, right? Like, I, I didn't feel like the climax of the film was satisfying at all because at no point before had any of those themes been discussed, right? Like, you guys all know that for me, I like films that are thematically consistent that sort of show those themes throughout the entirety of the film and then you kind of have a culmination and it kind of all makes sense, right? It's trying to say something. Mm. In this film, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the climax of the film is when Arthur is trying to... Well, okay, the thematic climax of the film is supposed to be when Arthur is trying to reclaim the trident off the dead king. And he says something about how, I'm not a king, I just, I'm just a hero, or something like that, right? Like, that he's, he doesn't really care about kingship, he just wants to do the right thing and be a hero, right? The problem is, at no point prior to that, prior to that scene had any of that really been discussed. So it was this hugely unsatisfying payoff, right? It was like, well, hang on. Like, in all of your adventures up to this point, it's not like we've had um, this sort of drummed into us or you've seen actions of him doing this to suggest that, right? Like, it's just, he's never really, he's kind of just been this guy who's kind of been along for the ride and doesn't really carry, I don't know. It's just so weird, right? I guess I guess the only time prior to that scene that it was discussed was right before that scene when Nicole Kidman tells him that, you know, the kings uh, fight for their country, heroes fight for everybody. Um, so I guess that's the only... But that's, really <laughs> that's literally two minutes before the climax. No, they introduce it, that. It is, it, is also, it is also... The scene is planted about five, minute, five or ten minutes before that when he's on the boat with Amber Heard. And she says, "We've got to go out to the to the um, to the kingdom of the trenches." And he says, "Yeah, I'm not the guy you want for this because." Uh, and we and and I think what we're meant to get from that is that the arc of the arc of Aquaman is he's really cocky at the beginning, and then he gets his ass consistently kicked for about 
an hour and a half and he's become more humble and he's sort of down in the dumps and thinks he's a nobody, which is why he's reluctant to go to the kingdom of the trenches, which is why when he's confronted with that monster as he, as he tries to claim the trident, he says, I'm not a king, I'm a nobody because he's had kind of the, he's kind of had the hubris knocked out of him, but it's mm. very, very poorly sketched. I mean, it's, that's, I think very firmly establishes the intention of the, of the screenwriters, but it is very, very poorly executed. So we, we do, we do, s- but it's not, it's, it's barely there. Yeah. The we do see him caring about people from the beginning, right? The very yeah. opening act is him trying yeah. to rescue people off that submarine. Yeah. But okay. So, so uh, look, yes, he is, he does. Um, he is shown to care for people, but I don't feel like that theme was particularly well drawn out or particularly fo- like, Look, maybe it was just too subtle and it was too art house no, for me it's, to realize. It's because, but... <laughs> no, no, no. It's because it's because this movie is do, trying to do too much. It's like both an origin story and a story of how this guy goes from being cocky to deserving or humble yeah. and the story of how he goes from hating that world to finding peace with his homeland yeah. and the story of how he gets the trident and the story of how he overthrows the king and the story of how he reunites with his mother. Like, it's just so many stories. Yeah, exactly. It just tries right? to do too much. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the film opens with this idea of, like, I thought at first this film was going to be about this two worlds thing, right? Like, reconciling two worlds. But emotionally, there was none of that. Well, very little. Like, it was tokenistic, right? And you can kind of mm. tell, yeah, this is kind of what it's about, but they don't really spend any time fleshing it out or building sort of any emotional, um, I, I guess, stakes in terms of that theme. And then, like, for me, actually, the best part of this film was, um, okay, like, you have Black Manta, right? The the, the pirate. The high-tech mm. pirate. And I thought this film was going to be about how you know, like, he, uh, like, I thought the most engaging bit of this film was when he, at the beginning, doesn't spare the life of Black Manta's father, right? And I thought that mm. that that hubris was going to be something that they would deal with, right? This idea that, like, you know, as a hero, like, you don't get to have these days where you're just merciless, right? Like, I, I kind of felt like, potentially, they were going to talk about this idea that, you know, his he's a hero, but he's actually kind of merciless and he kind of needs to learn that mercy or whatever it is, right? Like, understand the position of the other person. I I don't really know, right? But I kind of felt like Mm. that was one of the few scenes where there was emotional pathos, right? Because you have this guy who is shooting him, turning around to him and going, please help me, right? This is Mm. my father. And as a hero, he does the unheroic thing and says, no, you're a villain. You've crossed the line. I'm not helping you anymore, right? And I thought that mm-hmm. the film was going to be about an exploration of that. And actually, if the film had been a, an exploration of that point, I think I would have been quite satisfied. But it wasn't. It wasn't at all. And <laughs> so again, again, it was a little bit because that whole that whole like theme of we don't forgive is the whole Atlantis thing, right? It's what. It's what people from Atlanta say to Aquaman all the time. Like, we don't forgive down here, right? It's it's not what we do. Um, and at the end, finally, he does learn. For, he does learn along the way that he should have helped Black Mantis out because he tells Redhead that he should have helped. You know, if he'd done that, he wouldn't have an enemy today. And right at the end, he forgives his brother and doesn't kill him. But again, it's just another one of those things that was poorly developed because there was so much going on. Yeah, so mm. it's really interesting that but, you say that because you know when that scene with like when he defeats Black Manta and he says, "Oh, like I've made an enemy," like I, mm. I felt that was like so. Yes, I can understand that that was them trying to develop that, but I felt it was so like so light on selfish. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> exactly right. It wasn't like the heroic thing. Exactly, as a hero, you should be able to go. You know, that was actually wrong. Morally, it was wrong for me. He may have been a horrible person, but at that point, there was no one else who he, that could have helped him. And I was the only one, and I absolutely had the power to save that life. And I chose mm. not to, right? But it's not. He couches it in this view of, oh, it was just like, so, you know, my actions have just created more obstacles for myself, right? It, it's not mm. seen in a sort of moralistic light. It's seen in a, well, I've just created more trouble for myself, so damn. 
maybe I should have chosen differently, right? When I kind of feel like moralistically, mm. there's a very strong argument to say, well, you kind of just should have done the right thing, right? Um, but anyway, mm. so it was... <laughs> Yeah, so, and I can understand what you were saying about Atlantis, and there's, like, the Atlanteans don't forgive, but again, it was just so, like... like I thought it was a um, missed opportunity as well with um, the relation... You know, they didn't really develop his relationships with his father, with Willem Dafoe's character, or even the sort of, you know, his mother and the alternative um, value code that she was promoting. Exactly. With the merging of Atlantis and you know, the balance between Atlantis and, and the land. Um, I think, you know, if it was an origin story, if they had focused more on that and what kind of guides him as Aquaman, what sets him apart, yeah. that would have made sense. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I kind of feel like they were trying to... Cause Can I just was, interject at this yeah. point to note... Jerry? To note that... Yeah, yeah. Can I just interject to note that Black Manta looked really stupid as a matter of character design. I mean, that helmet was ridiculous. <laughs> I disagree. I thought like he was awesome. No, no, no. Can I just say, do you remember, do you remember Spaceballs? Yes. So, yeah, Black Manta looks, he looks like Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. He looked absolutely ridiculous. It was a stupid <laughs> costume. It was, it was probably, in a movie full of stupid costumes, it was one of the worst. And bearing in mind, the only character who looked cool, being Aquaman, of course, who barely wore a costume. I mean, he just wore a pair of pants for most of the movie. And that's why he looked cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, his costume was his tattoos, right? Yeah. <laughs> his costume was Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Okay. So okay. If, you have Jason, if you have Jason Momoa's skin, uh, you're doing pretty well. You're starting from a pretty good place costume-wise, I think. Okay. I, I want to get I want to get okay. to that costume, right? Because, wait, I, like, wait. that costume... Anyway, the gold costume at the end... Let's talk oh, about so that. Bad. Okay, that looked, that looked ridiculous. <laughs> you know what he looked like? He looked like a he looked like a crappy killmonger. Okay, look. Okay, should we just get to it? Then let's let's get to it, right? Like, okay. So basically, at this point, I just want to open the floor to dumb and crazy things you saw in this film that really got your goat. And for me, <laughs> there were so many things, but that costume was definitely one of them, right? Like, because that costume. Okay, so let's let's rethink what actually happens in this scene, right? He gets the trident off the dead guy, yes? Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Right, he gets the mm-hmm. trident off the dead guy. And then he takes the dead guy's clothes. And he wears <laughs> the dead guy's clothes. Why does he do that? Why would he do that? That's the no, dead but guy's he, clothes. But he actually doesn't, because he's, he's got a different costume to King Atlan. King Atlan is dressed differently from how... Aquaman no, is dressed Ad- at the Adlan end. has not the a- cape. He's got. He's wearing his armor. Is no. that the golden armor? No, no. The, the, the armor's di- the armor's different. The cape might be the same, but I think the armor is actually different. He's got something that looks like bad chainmail. He's got this bad sort of chainmail top that's probably two sizes too small. So where did he and get his clothes from? I thought he took them from the dead guy. I thought he took them from the dead guy. I mean, the dead guy was green too, Gerald. Like the dead guy was also green and gold. <laughs> The dead guy was great, but he wasn't. He wasn't dressed the way that Aquaman was dressed at the end. And bearing in mind, does does anyone remember season two of Entourage? No. Yes. (laughs) Season two of Entourage. The character of Vince, who's the main character, uh, is hired to make Aquaman, directed by James Cameron, and he gets given this costume that looks ridiculous. It looks like uh, 1970s Elton John. Um, and he says, I'm not wearing that costume. And it almost, and it jeopardizes the making of the film because the costume design is so bad. And you would have thought, after all these years, um, after season two of Entourage's, you know, season two of Entourage aired, you know, well in, in the early years of the, of the millennium. And you would have thought <laughs> that, um, Warner Brothers would have taken that joke to heart and given, um, Jason Momoa a cool costume. But they didn't. Yeah, I agree. It looked farcical. Yeah, but everyone had dumb costumes, right? Like, okay, so yeah. for me, the most farcical scene was Nicole Kidman's yes. reunion with oh, Aquaman. I want to talk about that. Yes, and she's Terrible. wearing like a Power Rangers skeleton oh. costume or something. What they embrace, I and it just costume by a mother okay. 
She was there, you know, at the $2 shop five minutes before it closed and bought everything that she could and then stuck it all together. That's what it was. You know what it was? It was half, half, half Power Rangers and half Lord of Bones from the, from, from Game of Thrones. Yes. Because you had all these, you had all these fish boats on the outside and you're like, so when I, when I saw her, I thought that her plan was to dress up like those monsters that were trying to attack them. And like pretend to be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that you thought you had a plan. That's what I love. No, it was just that she it, it had nothing to do with anything. She lived at the centre of the earth, right? I thought that she would have some sort of psychological disorder, at least for living twenty years without any contact with anybody. <laughs> but she was fine. She was fine. <laughs> it was just so dumb. That scene when they're and hugging was, and she's and in the phone costume. <laughs> it was just... And that entire plot point was such a ripoff of Michelle Pfeiffer in the Quantum Realm. Yes! In- oh, yeah! Totally Except Michelle Pfeiffer came out ahead with superpowers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. And, also, and also, the whole escaping the bad fish. You know how... What are the bad uh, fish called? The trench... The, 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 the trench, the, the, the trench fish, whatever. Yeah. yeah, that was ridiculous. How did they get past those trench fish? There were like a million trench fish, each a massive boogie monster, and for some reason they're just swimming all the way down, missing all the trench fish. Yeah, and yeah, because they're, they're scared of light, right? Like, and they had the they're one flare. Of, that's what. That's why you had the flare. Yeah, the underwater flare. Come on. It, it was. It was pretty dumb, right? Like, basically, it so, was so dumb. They. They. Like, basically, there was no explanation. It was just like, oh, all of a sudden, this flare is like the magic weapon, right? And, it, yeah, it was... <laughs> yeah, there was no explanation of that. They just they just happened to notice that that was, that was useful. Why, why is it... Okay, so what I don't understand is that if there are so many trench fish, how is it the world has never seen a trench fish before? There's like a billion of those things in the ocean, right? Like, what? Because <laughs> they're, they're afraid of light. <laughs> So dumb. Why did the trench fish jump onto this boat in particular? It was okay, that trench fish scene was so out of left field, right? Because one moment they're on the boat and the next minute it's in the it's in the middle of a storm and all these trench fish start jumping onto the boat. It's just like yep. what happened? Yep. What just happened? Yep. Why are we doing yep. this now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. The the thing I want to talk about is how did Orm and Black Manta meet on Tinder? How did they meet? Yes, yes! <laughs> what? <laughs> no one knows. Other? It was obviously, obviously a Craigslist ad. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, how do you all find these guys? Classic. We'll pay with treasure. <laughs> like, how do they find each other? <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was so... Okay, like... Okay, uh, no, I'm going, I'm going. Go, 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 go. Okay, okay. Look, I don't mean to be rude, but... The whole idea of Nicole Kidman, queen of the underworld, this beautiful no, no, goddess and shimmering white, falling scene. in love with that fisherman, <laughs> all right, oh, falling oh. in love and him being the love of her life, so much so that she returns to him at the end and they kiss. I'm sorry, <laughs> that was completely ridiculous. Like, why would she? I, come on. Come on. Why did she eat the goldfish? He loved his personality. Because that guy is Temuera Morrison, otherwise is, otherwise known as Jake from Once Were Warriors. And so he was uh, – she's obviously attracted to – Well, on. no, he's not much of a bad boy in this movie. I mean, you could no. see, see why – if Temuera Morrison has played bad boys in the past, and you can kind of see why, why he'd exude sexy, but – the in- but the the particular character of the lighthouse keeper in this movie, not hard. Yeah, but but more than that, like how weird did he look when he was supposed to be young? He looked. Did you not feel like his face looked really weird and CG? Like it was, <laughs> it was yeah. worse than Nicole Kidman. <laughs> no, no, no. He didn't. For my money, he looked no weirder than Nicole Kidman in the present day. <laughs> okay, speaking, no, 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 speaking, speaking, but, okay, another weirdness, okay, so, so, the three of them, Nicole Kidman, Arthur, and Mira, or whatever her name is, they return from the trench fish, suddenly, Nicole Kidman just disappears, and comes back with 
like her hair done nicely and in a nice dress. Like, what did she do? <laughs> Just go away and get changed so that she can come and stop the battle between her two sons. Like, it was just so weird. Okay, okay, okay. That's not even the weirdest thing about that entire battle scene, right? Let's think about what happens. Oh, my God. Are you about to talk about the kiss? Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. So that battle scene was absurd. So there's so many things to unpack. We can talk about the kiss. I want to talk about the fact that, like, okay, so there's this huge... Civil war going on, basically, between underwater creatures. Aquaman's yeah. way of resolving it is by using the Kraken to basically kill everything. Like, there's this, like, apocalypse in the center of the battlefield when he comes up, and he's just wrecking people, right? When he's <laughs> meant to have control of all the fish, including the Atlanta people, yes, right? Yes, and you'd think that if he wants to be king and he wants to control these people, he would like not come into the battle and just start wrecking everybody right yet at the mm. end of the film everybody mm. is just like they have this weird like cartoon ending when like they have the fight and then everybody is just like oh damn he's the king now oh shit okay <laughs> we should let's all put down our weapons we've just been killing each other non-stop but everybody let's just put down our weapons and acknowledge this guy that no one knows is the king does that not strike you as being so dumb as a concept? Mm. Like, do you like, remember that? Um, do you remember that Vin Diesel movie? I can't remember. It was really old, and I remember it ended with the line, "You keep what you kill." What? Do you remember? No. It sounds okay. All right. Don't worry. Ignore me. Goodbye. <laughs> No, so what, 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 what did that have to do with Aquaman? Sorry, Max. No, because I was like, it is as stupid as that. Like, it was a, it was set in space. He was some kind of, I don't know if it was like is this Babylon AD or something, or maybe it was Riddick. Oh, maybe it was Riddick. And it was, it ended with the line, you keep what you kill. And so he became like the leader of the whatevers. Yeah. Because he, and so it feels exactly the same. Yeah, I, I think that if they had made the Trident more of a focus there and, like, if the Trident had done something amazing, like shimmered gold through the ocean and just, like, gotten everyone to just stop in their midst or something and then they all bowed down to him, then it would at least make sense that they recognised that he now wielded the Trident and he was the worthy one. But how it actually ends is one of the main baddies going – Half-Breed has the trident, and this random henchman going, yeah, yeah, Half-Breed has the trident. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, let's all bow. All these henchmen that two minutes ago were shooting each other and just, like, annihilating each other are like, damn, okay, you're right, you're right, you're the king. Good on you. So so dumb. But it's it's like, the trident is basically, like, the fish equivalent of Excalibur, and he who wields it is the king, and you just owe him that level of deference. I, I didn't find that I didn't find that so so weird about that battle sequence. I thought there was a lot that was ridiculous about it, not least of which is is the kiss to which we're coming, no doubt. Um, but I just thought that was um, that was just yeah, it was kind of like fish Excalibur. So fine, whatever. <laughs> Like, for me, that entire scene, just all these weird, like, just conveniently, there's this platform for them to fight on, right? And then then everybody just crowds around the platform. They stop their huge battle. They crowd around the platform. Nicole Kidman comes on. And it's like, damn, okay, bang, we've got a new king. The end. Everything wraps up in a nice little bow, right? Let's talk about the kiss. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, so what happens is basically they kiss and there's fireworks, but it's not really fireworks. It's just like exploding ships and people dying around them. And it's meant to be romantic. It's just absurd. <laughs> first, of, first of all, it's it's an awkwardly long kiss. Like, it's not quite Steve McQueen, Faye Dunaway, Thomas Crown Affair long kiss but it's still a really long kiss in the middle of a battle sequence and you're like there are baddies all around them this is this shit's going down and there's this really long kiss why and second of all despite the best efforts of cast and crew i just think the um the, the romance or the romance or purported romance between amber heard and 
Jason Momoa was extremely forced and felt yeah, thorough. No, no chemistry, right? Khaleesi has way more chemistry with him than uh, than Princess Nero. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they have Agreed. the forced dialogue, the really cheesy dialogue between them. It's just like, oh, stop it. I think, I think, I think the, the attempt to set them up as a couple begins at around the point where they, they get dropped off in the Sahara up until Sicily. And I thought that was just really, really awful. Um, it was extremely forced. The, 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 the scene in which Mira eats the rose, the roses and then gives them to, uh, Aquaman to, to eat. I think that's meant to be kind of a, a meet cute moment, not dissimilar, from, a, a sort of fish out of water meet cute moment, not dissimilar from, say, for instance, uh, Wonder Woman's first foray into London where, you know, she gets introduced to wearing like a skirt suit and, and has ice cream for the first time. But it was so, it was done in such a ham fisted manner that what, what should have been or what should have been charming and kind of cute was instead really grating and uh, eye roll inducing yes yes agreed um okay so here's another sort of thing that really grated me about this film um so i think this is to your point gerald about the political structures of these films like okay you're supposed to be and okay look to be honest black panther kind of did this as well but it was less grating for me in Black Panther. In this film, it just really stood out, right? You're supposed to be in this ultra-advanced civilization, right? A civilization that has lasted for more than, like, like 4,000 years or whatever it is, right? Since Atlantis sunk to the bottom of the Earth, right? So, and in this hyper-advanced civilization where they apparently have all this technology and all this type of stuff, they still settle the leadership with duels to the death what the <laughs> hell like honestly what the hell and then they have this coliseum where people are baying for their blood as well this is a sort of civilization just, that's going to crash in like it, one or two generations does in fairness it's actually not that dissimilar from australia over the last decade <laughs> oh jerry jerry <laughs> jerry <laughs> so <laughs> so oh you know what? Yeah. Uh, look, the funny thing—it's funny that you mentioned Black Panther because, in a sense, Aquaman stands in relation to Atlantis, has the same sort of distant, tenuous relationship with Atlantis that Killmonger has with um, Wakanda. Yes. Yes. And so, so this movie is basically this. Like, if you were to sort of transplant this and sort of put this, see the parallels between this and Black Panther, this is actually the story of Killmonger knocking off um, <laughs> T'Challa. The Black <laughs> yeah. T'Challa as, yeah. King, as King Wakanda, and, that's, and, and then it ends. And you're like, <laughs> that's really that's really weird, this complete outsider who's this sort of distant relation uh, of one of, the, one of the claimants to the throne, comes along from out of nowhere, grabs the throne from himself, and credits. And... And so, really, this is this is the story of this is the story of usurpation, where there's no there's no very uh, there's you know we're meant to understand that it's more a restoration than a usurpation because he's he's the legitimate claimant to the throne. But look, I, I don't even think that's right because I'm assuming uh, the throne is passed on by patrimonial lineage, and so given that he's the son of the mother but not the son of the king he has no claim to the throne whatsoever well isn't it isn't it it's matrimonial lineage right as in oh, it seems it? to be like the oldest son of the queen regardless of where like, i mean that's fine right i mean if that's really how they do it but it's just unclear right because they keep well, saying i think it has to be Atlantan's, whatever his name is, the, the old king. It has to be his bloodline. So I think Atlanta was his daughter. So yeah. it, it would be her offspring. It doesn't have to be legitimate, but it's through that bloodline, I think. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we've probably thought about this more than the filmmakers <laughs> thought about this, right? <laughs> okay, okay, so to this point of, like, death duels deciding the, like... The, the king, 
how dumb was the actual political coup in this film? When they go to the fish people lair, and it's like they're in their throne room. Ocean Master literally has two guys with him. He's got Dolph Lundgren and Green Goblin, right? They're both there. They're, they're the only guys. He's a, he's a friend, not a foe. Friendly a Green friend. Goblin. Good Green Goblin, right? He's not a foe. He's that foe. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> But it's literally the three of those guys and the fish people. And to overthrow the monarchy, literally, who shoots him? <laughs> Dolph Lundgren shoots the king, and that's it! The monarchy is overthrown! The end! I was just like, what? what is going on in this film? It seems so parochial, right? That you could just have three guys in a room and they shoot each other, and then the government folds. Like, What? I don't know. That scene really blew my mind. I think it blew my mind, not just because... Okay, so when you really think about it, it's ultra dumb. But it's even even more dumb that, like, they, they have no guards. It's not like he gets someone else to do his dirty work for him. Like, Doc Hunter just decides to get his gun out and shoot him. Like, it was so... Ugh. Sorry, that scene in particular really just really messed with my mind, right? (laughs) Took me completely out of the film. It was just like, why? Why is this happening? And then the kid, for whatever reason, the queen, the new queen of the fish people, like, gets into this fish person battle mech and he's on the front lines of the battle. Why? She really doesn't seem like a warrior. (laughs) And the crab king. Is also on the front lines. She's not exactly a fish lady Mormon. So the fact, the the thought of her being in the front lines is is just ridiculous. And yes, the Crab King is also ridiculous. Like, why are there there crab people? Like, why are there fish people and why are there crab people? How do the crab people use tools? They have claws! (laughs) Can I just say this? Like, just think about the time, just think about the timeline. We, We know that Atlantis fell, according to this movie, Atlantis fell into the sea after Romulus established Rome, because otherwise, how would, how would Atlan be able to leave a clue about a statue of Romulus in Sicily? So we're talking, we're talking like, we're talking about 3,000 years ago. And in the space of 3,000 years, a a particular segment of the human population Became fish people and crab people. And undead Just think fish about people. It. Don't forget. <laughs> don't forget the undead fish people. They also became. I don't want to think about yes. it. And the trenches. So just think. Just think about it. In the space of three thousand years, the blink of an eye, evolutionarily speaking, a segment yeah, of the human population that. evolved to become fish people, crab people, and the trenches. Yeah, I was going to say that's not how evolution works, right? I think the film puts this view... Like, why Why did these people... Why could the Atlantis suddenly breathe underwater? I, I didn't get that. I didn't understand. <laughs> why, why can some Atlantans breathe, like, outside of water? And, like, the captain of the commandos needs to breathe in a toilet, right? Like, why... Why? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And she then, said it then, was the highborns, but it made no sense why, scientifically yeah. speaking. <laughs> they all have, like, supernatural powers. Like, they're able to control water in a way nobody else can. And Aquaman can talk to the fish and, like, sea creatures, but no one else can. Why is that? Maybe they were closer to the blast. <laughs> <laughs> that these fish people moved like they had rocket blasters under their legs. So like, you know how they would just zoom. But and I realized that they did this because, well, I don't really know why they did it, but if you actually shot these scenes in the way that people would actually move underwater, it would be ridiculous and comical because you'd move so slowly, right? Like the yeah. water would slow you down. You couldn't possibly have a battle sequence. Um, so I know that in some 
movies you account for that by just having them move normally underwater like like in, in an animation like the little mermaid everyone's just moving normally but here they've decided that they're going to give them like rocket blaster powers and they zoom in the water which is even more jarring because it's underwater the force of the water would not allow that <laughs> just found it really, like, I found that really distracting. <laughs> there were so many. Okay, like, so they can swim, but the crab people can only crawl on the bottom of the ocean, right? Like, <laughs> that was weird. That was really weird, right? Like, they, they don't really obey the laws of the ocean either, right? Like, you know, the first scene, right? You know when he pushes the submarine up? Everybody on that submarine would be dead from the bends. For sure, yeah. right? Like, he... <laughs> He shoots it up like a torpedo. He just killed everybody on board. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Okay, so to the point of the underwater stuff, right? So, yeah, it was kind of weird that everybody had rocket boosters and it was kind of unclear what gave them the rocket, rocket booster power. But the other choice that I thought was super weird about the underwater was how they put this sort of audio overlay on all of the speech underwater so it was like a bit of a bubbling noise and sometimes <laughs> i couldn't tell what they were saying i'll be honest right yeah, like no, you're, you're absolutely right the, in the very first meeting between patrick wilson orm and Dolph lundgren um it was very very difficult to understand what it was that they were saying to each other do you know I mean, what Dolph, Dolph lundgren's lundgren, name was because i couldn't tell what his name was no, no i didn't know what his name was I think they said it multiple um, times, and there was a gurgle during yeah. the name. It was just like, "Sorry, I didn't quite get that." You'll have to enunciate. I just went. I just went through. I just went through the movie calling him King Brother. Like I just thought <laughs> that's. <a King. laughs> yeah, and like I couldn't. I never actually picked up what's his face's um, good Green Goblin's name either. I couldn't remember. Okay. It started with a V, and I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know what his name. Well, isn't that one of the big omissions of this movie? how it is that he gets to meet Arthur and train him. Like, we never explain how he emerged from the fish world to, to, to meet Arthur and say, hey, I'm from your mother's world and I'm going to train you in this stuff. Well, we, we assume he's, that his mother, because, you know, he's friends with, his, with the mother. He's friends with Atlanta and he promised Atlanta that he would protect her son. So I assume Atlanta told him before she was thrown to the trenches. But it'd be kind of, I mean, I think that's quite a sort of, Big, that would be quite a big moment when, you know, this guy emerges from the water and says, hey, I'm Fishman yeah. and I'm sent yeah. by your fish mom after you because yeah, you've got fish Yeah, they rushed. They rushed through, that was like, <laughs> Arthur coming into his own. Like, they just rushed through that. Mm. I mean, imagine the Karate Kid if, like, we dropped halfway through and we never find out how, you know, the Karate Kid met Mr. Miyagi. It's, it's just utterly bizarre. Yeah. yeah. That, then, wa- that was uh, weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, then, like, how on earth did his father just sort of accept that he was having these battle training um, sessions with him on the beach? And there's no yeah. sort of bonding between him and his father and, and Willem Dafoe's character together. Why didn't, makes- he, why didn't he tell his dad that his mum had been executed? Because his dad kept going <laughs> out to the... <laughs> Searching in that sunset, Daddy O. <laughs> that seems unusually cruel, right? To let your dad continue <laughs> walking to the pier every day when you know your mum got executed. Like what? <laughs> oh, this this film was just so full of weird inconsistencies, but not weird in a good way. Just like for me, I think the, the litmus test. I think I've said before is I'm. I think a lot of films we watch have inconsistencies, right? But when the film really has like an internal logic and is thematically strong, you buy into it and you're happy to overlook the inconsistencies, right? For this yes. film, I was just sitting there for the entirety and everything, something, every time something dumb came up, I was just like, that's so dumb. I couldn't, I couldn't buy into it. I, I, I honestly couldn't buy into it, right? Like it was, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I actually, I feel like this film was probably as bad as Justice League. I, I don't know, maybe Justice League was even a tad, a tad better, but anyway, yeah. Justice uh, League uh, also would have been so much better if they'd just waited for this film. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> we 
didn't even know Aquaman when they did Justice League. Like, mm. at least if we had seen this film first, it would have been something. Like, <laughs> it would have been yeah. something. Yeah. So, does what? What's your ranking of the DC the DC <laughs> so far? This is this is like. Um, <laughs> okay, so how so do I answer one, that question, Charles? The, the universal consensus is one woman is number one. Okay, so that's but and it's daylight to number two. But what what is number two? Like, I actually, I would struggle. I would struggle to name a number two. In my ranking of the DCEU movies, because because they've been like they've been execrable. It can't be Man of Steel because that was an awful film. Can't so be I Batman. Guess, v- I guess Aquaman was number two. I actually think Aquaman. Actually, <laughs> I think Aquaman might be number two. I, if I would, in my personal ranking, I think Aquaman might be number two. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Uh, I I would actually put Man of Steel number two. Not because I like the film. I, I don't like that film at all. But I feel like it was totally more consistent than Aquaman. But but it was a lot more boring. It, so. it was yeah, a lot more boring. It was, it was more dour. And it was self-serious in a way that this movie isn't. For all of its, for all of its flaws, this movie didn't take itself anywhere near as seriously as Man of Steel because there is that one moment in Man of Steel in which... Um, in which Superman sort of strikes up a Christ-like pose, and you're like, and that was the moment when I thought, yeah, I'm getting off this train because I don't think I can do this anymore. So I think on on the basis of it sort of not taking itself too seriously, I would put Aquaman above Man of Steel. Okay, here's here's a curveball. What about Suicide Squad? Bad film. Uh, I haven't seen it. Bad film. But in the grand scheme of DCEU, I would actually... I, I reckon Suicide Squad was a mess, but maybe the same level of mess as Aquaman? Maybe a touch better? I, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? We haven't seen it. Unless, Gerald, unless you saw it without me. <laughs> no, no, no I, I, I didn't see it. I've heard bad things, but yeah. I, I haven't seen it. And I just thought... I just thought... Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pay to watch Jared Leto play the Joker. Not because. No, no. I, I don't. I actually don't like Jared Leto. He, he in every movie he's in, he gives me the creeps. So, um, so I just wasn't gonna watch that movie. Yeah. Um, mm. so, but the, the so next what, movie. Maybe maybe you can work. Maybe maybe we can reverse engineer this. What what is at the very bottom? Mags. Oh, I was just going to say the next movie is Shazam next year. So I don't know if that's sort of the the rounding out of the first set. Oh. At this point, it's not even... Because, you know, with Marvel, they had the phases, and it was very clear where the films fit in the phases. Yeah. Like, this is just a mess, right? This is just a mess. <laughs> this extended yeah. universe is... Um, okay, yeah, so... it's comical. Yeah, it's it's definitely comical. <laughs> um, I think okay, the worst. It'd have to be Batman Superman, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that that yeah. film took itself both seriously and was absurd. <laughs> um, yeah. What other? So, what are the films? Wonder Woman, Aquaman. That's Batman Superman, Man of Steel, Suicide Squad. That's it, right? Justice League. Justice League. I actually think Does just Green count. Sorry. Does Green Lantern count? Nah, I don't think I think I don't think it can officially count. Although I would say that as bad as Green Lantern was, given like where we're at, Green Lantern I think would rank honorably in this list of films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think yeah, Batman versus Superman is definitely bottom of the pile. I think slightly above that. Would be Superman, Man of Steel. Yeah, I, I, I think Man of Steel is probably worse than Justice League. I, I think Man of Steel was really is a really really rotten film and sort of dis, it, 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 it put on display all of Zack Snyder's worst tendencies: self seriousness, um, crappy CG, uh, and just untold amounts of carnage. Yeah. I mean, just think of how many people died in the final 20 minutes 
of Man of Steel. And and this dude is meant to be saving humankind. Yeah. Well, um, this was similar. This was similar. Yeah, because Aquaman... Yeah, because Aquaman goes into the middle of the battlefield and just starts wrecking people, right? The Leviathan is eating <laughs> Atlantans and crab people, and it's just crazy, right? Like, that scene makes mm-hmm. no sense. The huge battle scene at the end is just like CG carnage. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I think I think I think Man of Steel is an execrable movie, I, I, and because it's such a it's such a betrayal of the of of the way Superman should be presented. Superman's kind of this idealistic Boy Scout, yeah, not this sort of angry brooding monster. Yes. So I think Steel is Man of Steel is just friggin' awful. Yeah, I, I I actually think Justice League is, in hindsight, I don't think Justice League is horrible, right? I would probably say that I think Justice League is better than Aquaman. Like, when when pushed, right? If I think through all these mm. films, I think Wonder Woman is clearly top. I'd say Justice League is second. <sighs> Aquaman is probably third sh- by sheer dint of the fact that its its atmosphere is better than the Zack Snyder films. And the Zack Snyder films are probably at the bottom, right? Simply because they're so dour and depressing. Okay, so the only thing I want to add to this film is that, like, I feel that pop culture review outlets always skew, like, I've read reviews. Okay, so I've read reviews of this film that said that this was a passable good film, right? Wow. Yeah, and, like, recently, you know, we saw a film, what was it that we watched recently that, oh, I I think it was, I, I read... I read a review that basically had this scored at the same score as Creed 2. And that was just what? a travesty, right? Like, yeah, so I, so I feel like these pop culture out- outlets give superhero movies this leg up, which is completely unwarranted. And I don't know if it's because they're in the pockets of the studios or whatever it is, right? But this film is no way in the same league as Creed 2, right? Like, I think we can all agree on that. This is a ridiculous film. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. 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 And and so I mean uh, it, it is sad to me that that um that this is this is James Wan's latest film. I think James Wan is actually a legitimately quite talented filmmaker. Um having said that I've only ever seen one of his movies, that being of course Fast and Furious Seven. Um <laughs> And I know he's made a lot of horror, lot of horror movies, well-regarded horror movies. He, I think he directed the original Saw. I think he also he's, he's also directed um, quite a few horror movies recently that have that have won a lot of plaudits. And to think that he's, this is his latest um, is is kind of sad because it, it just seems to me that everyone who's 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 touched the DCEU uh, comes out diminished by their involvement in these projects the only person who's the only person who's who's come out of these movies with his or her dignity uh intact is probably gal gadot yeah well i mean patty who who directed wonder woman uh yeah the director of wonder woman i think is still quite well regarded but yeah 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 but um yeah like I feel so. Sometimes I think about these films, and I wonder if it's actually the, like who is at fault here, right? The writer or the director? I don't exactly know how these things actually pan out, but I mean, if you're given a script like that, what are you supposed to do? Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Zack Snyder did um, was one of the writers of Wonder Woman as well, mm. so. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe the director does have a role to play in the tone, but the story itself, um, you know, he did contribute to it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's um, it's, it's one of those it's just one of those imponderable mysteries that we'll have to sort of leave unresolved. Yeah, because you know that James Wan can direct a good action film, right, with very little story, right? Like Fast and the Furious is not really a story heavy. Okay, sorry, Gerald. I know that you love Fast. You take that back. <laughs> but you know, like he he can he can deliver a solid action film with like uh, which satisfies, right? But unfortunately, this was not it. This was this 
Yeah, I actually felt like this was a really long film that dragged on. So, anyway, yeah. we will not drag on. I think we're going to end it there. Are we, are we okay <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much for joining us, everybody, and uh, Merry Christmas. And we'll be back in the new year. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see everybody soon. Okay, bye, everybody. See you next year. Bye. Ciao. Bye.